0: Playwright, to podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me
1: H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me late for dinner. Uh, we're getting back to the hacky stuff really early in the show, are we? <laughs> I guess so. I'm, I'm so sorry. I know I've delayed our recording by a few minutes tonight just to... that's right.
0: It doesn't matter. doesn't yeah. affect what it's coming out. So the listeners have no skin in this game. <laughs>
1: that is interesting, isn't it? Like, I can be late, but it's not late for the listener necessarily.
0: Well, I mean, if we push it too far, <laughs> then <laughs> it starts to have that knock-on effect. But um, yeah, for the most part, we're uh, we're, we're pretty well covered. Got recording it. Recording ahead of time.
1: There's a point of no return. Are we taking a holiday break, age? Uh, I don't know. I mean,
0: I'm going to be out of town for a couple of weeks, and so we can we can just kind of see with our schedules how things kind of plan out. Uh, how things pan out as far as like recording dates beforehand but uh if we if we get a buffer great if not then uh maybe we can kind of take an impromptu holiday break. Uh we can kind of decide that as we get a little bit closer but um yeah it is mid December we've not yet <laughs>
1: not yet planned that far out. I'm I'm ready for um you to do some man on the street stuff. Everybody loves a guy reporting from a hurricane. So if you can get into any <laughs> storms to record the show that would be even better.
0: Also, um as of uh I guess as of today, this is our Christmas show. This will be releasing on Christmas Eve. So I guess happy holidays, everyone. Uh, if you are uh, in the spirit of um, of the holidays, are hoping to drop a few more holiday-themed pitches our way, they will be going up mid-January, but we will still read them. Because we like to keep this period of Christmas alive in our hearts all year-round, you know?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be celebrating christmas happy christmas happy hanukkah happy everything for everyone um we hope you're having a, a, a great holiday i i had realized h said i i hadn't really taken anything as a substantial vacation until now so i think at the end of the year i am going to peel off a week or two for myself just to uh reset and recharge that whole thing
0: that's great yeah everybody needs some time away every once in a while
1: yeah, same, same, same. I hope you're you're getting some time. Yeah, taking some time. I mean,
0: at Microsoft things kind of clear out towards the end of December, beginning of January, and so everyone likes to to get away during that time. So there's uh, a not good time where, as much going on as there are, you know, for the rest of the year.
1: Right. It's uh it tends to leak uh or, or rather be a, a, a place where everybody's enjoying the fruits of the rest of the year's labor for Microsoft. Yeah, right.
0: Anyways, let's get to some video game pitches. I believe you
1: are going first today. Well, my my pitch today is a mental smash up, mash up of a lot of things that I've been experiencing lately. So I, you, I may have complained in the past about Star Trek Discovery on this show, and I have to say, see, we're in season three of Discovery now, and I take it back. I it's really turned the, I mean, turned the ship around. And um, <laughs> one of the the premises of the third season of Discovery is that the crew. Is in the far future, a time where isn't that every season though? <laughs> yes, this is this is the farthest future Star Trek has ever been though, and okay. uh, their technology that they have is uh, novel now in this in this time period, and so it has mm-hmm. special value. Um, and I kind of smash that up against uh, thinking of some mech stuff with Neon Genesis Evangelion and. I don't know if you've played it. Have you played the game Haven recently? It's a Game Pass game.
0: Oh, uh, Haven. Uh, yeah, that's the one with the, um, with the two characters that are living on that world together and they're in love. Uh, yeah. I've not yet played it. I haven't installed.
1: I think you think it's cool. It's got a really good soundtrack. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking about... Yeah, that's
0: by the folks who did Fury.
1: Oh, really? Oh, cool. So I'm thinking about, in my mind, this open world, um, sort of Breath of the Wild style that sounds like an album cover, like Breath of the Wild style. Um, open world RPG in this Breath of the Wild-like land, uh, post-post-post-apocalyptic, ruined, and nature reclaimed, where you are someone who is sent far forward in time, and you've got a mech suit. Um, and at this point in the future, technology is mostly gone, but there are these giant beasts Uh, that roam the land, similar to the Neon uh, Genesis um, setting, and you play the only character with access to this mech that can fight these creatures. So you have to go around the land. You can get out of your mech, talk to people, uh, build relationships, and uh, get back in to run missions and defeat these creatures and obtain rare materials so that you can go and rebuild the mech and i think like one of the twists i'd like to see is you can't actually heal in combat all you can do is take damage all damage is permanent damage and uh you have to use raw materials to kind of rebuild and weld your mech back together after combat
0: okay cool let's go ahead and start the clock there then so i do like this um raw materials to repair injuries as it were um Mm -hmm. i'd like it in this uh You know this kind of the thought experiment of like how many times can you patch a sock before it's no longer the original sock any longer? You know that kind of thing. Yeah. You know I'd like if these materials that we are actually patching into the broken portions of the robot are potentially different materials. Are you know it's not like in a just like a you know like in uh, in most video games when you apply a healing item your character just kind of goes back to an unbattered um, aesthetic state you know, I'd like it if these kind of battle scars remain because you're patching yourself with different materials. Maybe if you have to replace an arm or a leg or a gun or something, then they could have potentially different effects based on the material you use to patch it. And so you're kind of, your moveset is expanding as you go. You're unlocking new abilities, but they're not permanent abilities. They're kind of like you're unlocking ability potential slots, like, throughout the game, and then based on whatever material makes up that particular portion of the machine, the the ability will manifest in different ways. And so you kind of have to get used to things as you go, and uh, maybe have different types of materials on hand because
1: you have kind of
0: favorite loadouts, as it were.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And now you, like, once you get into the repairing game... I think that idea of, do you remember, uh, fable one, the very first fable, actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) you would like end that game with a ton of facial scars. And for me, my, my brain goes to the, like, how do I create the aesthetically perfect, you know, Paragon good guy. And then Mm -hmm. after you get your first scar, you it's like getting a first little scratch or something on a brand new car. You're just like, well, I have two choices here. I can learn to accept this (laughs) and move forward with it. Um, and, and even embrace it. Right. So, um, I do love the idea of, you know, based on somebody's combat style or based on how they're fighting and the, the risks that they take that everybody kind of ends the game with uh, a unique mech. That would be, that'd be so cool. Another kind of fun twist. And I don't know how this would necessarily
0: play out, but, You know, you are yourself a human getting into a larger mech. It'd be kind of fun if towards the end of the game you found, like, a slot in the world that the mech can plug into and take control of kind of like a giant golem either made of the earth or you know, breaking out from underneath it, It's like an even bigger robot that you can stomp around in for a while. Yeah,
1: we're talking a bigger mech to put the mech in. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> I love the idea of, um, yeah, maybe even like building yourself up, like somebody who, like, what if you do want to maintain the look of your mech and could we build in i'm I'm almost thinking like metal gear solid 3 like systems if if you're able to coat yourself in mud um or or mm-hmm. like the witcher use the right oils before you go into combat to to keep the paint from scratching
0: i think if you get damaged then the damage is permanent but you can always you know refill it with the materials that it was originally filled with and then you can you know go back to base and get it painted and so you know afterwards it you can kind of get it looking new again in the same way that, you know, people can do pretty miraculous things to restore old cars. But, uh, it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, parts of that original robot are still kind of littered on the battlefield.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And I wonder if like, so uh, I I was also thinking, would it be interesting to maybe you, you come back to this village and this is some far future version of your hometown. You've got this you know, incredible sadness, your, your regiment, whatever your squad of mechs was not able to save the world. So they just like threw you into the future. So you could like, um, be essentially an arbiter of history. And then to, in that moment, as you mine these materials and you're the one that knows how to build mechs, could you start using spare parts that you're collecting, um, and spare technologies to like build mechs for the town folk.
0: Yeah. That would be interesting
1: too. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, um, now you've got not only people that you could squad up with and you could have a squad of mechs that you can control, but maybe there's, you know, those kind of passive mechanics where either while you're away from the screen or while you're playing just off in the background, you can send people on supply runs and actually start like building this society back up through this, uh, through this mechanic.
0: Yeah, some choose to kind of use their mechs for farming or other types of, you know, purposes around town. Um, I can see that being, maybe it's not immediately obvious what they are going to use the mech for. And so you can kind of get a sense for what type of personality they have by speaking to them and getting to know them. But, you know, whether or not they join your crew as like an active party member or you know, just kind of settle down at home and use the mech for more kind of, uh, domestic purposes, um, is, uh, perhaps something you just have
1: to learn as you go. What I like about that is this kind of, this idea of if, if this is not an economy of unlimited resources, if there are only one set, like let's say some total, there are 10 complete sets of mechs or whatever to be had, And to say, oh, well, if I give the person who's farming or whatever resource gathering, if I give them, um, you know, the speed build parts, they're going to be able to farm those things faster. Or if I give them the tanky Mm -hmm. parts that they'll be able to run more missions or survive more attacks um, and not need to, you know, have so much resources to repair them when they get back. So you're constantly choosing between you're, I mean, maybe you, it doesn't end up choosing because I think people have combat styles they like and play with it, but the idea of you're not able to, to max everything. So what are you going to optimize for? And are you going to rotate that optimization?
0: I mean, that is kind of a smart solution to a lot of RPG problems where you end up overloaded with gear throughout your journey and you end up selling it, which is yeah fine because it allows you to buy things that you want with that money, but it. uh, I don't know, it always feels rather unfulfilling, like you're just kind of melting down all of these swords and axes and stuff you find on the battlefield for just kind of like a number. Yeah. You know, if if it was clear that each of these tools that you gathered were actually being put to use by somebody actually, you know, just supporting the grander mission in like a base building type of way, whether they're guards in town or whether they're farmers, then, um, you know, I think that's that's a more appealing way to kind of spin this, uh, the loot system.
1: Right. You turn it into something where like this thing does have utility to you, even if you turn it into an indirect utility. Cause I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think like even some of my favorite games, your uh, you know, Diablos of the world and, and world of Warcrafts, these things are, mm-hmm. I don't know if world of Warcrafts actually one of my favorite games anymore. That's a strange thought. But uh yeah, you end up like selling ten thousand swords over the course of a play you know, a playthrough of the game. And so it would be yeah I, I I'm almost like would, you know, something that has the vibes of a breath of the wild slash near sort of thing going on, plus uh the idea of of sharing resources with other people because you are you you're the one that is reintroduce this technology into a society that is now in the state where it is a revolution for them all over again, even though it's the future.
0: We are about out of time. Let's go ahead and close that one down and let's come up with a name for it. I would love something that feels sad. Hmm. Although okay. this
1: is, that's not necessarily a good holiday, holiday vibes or like a Western almost.
0: Mm-hmm. And I picture something like this, if it were, if it were to actually exist, would have like a completely weird, irrelevant name you know, coming out of a Japanese studio like the recent, was it 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim or something like that? <laughs> You're or, right. You know, something that describes something in the world, but for our purposes, it doesn't really make for a great episode title.
1: Okay. Why don't we do a, a tribute and we try the good, the bad, and the rusted.
0: <laughs> That's pretty fun. I like that. All right. Let's go on to my pitch for the day. what I am bringing is construction of marble courses. Um, the little tubes that you would uh set up to run marbles down, but you're creating them in intricate and um dense environments, so like forests and cities and stuff like that, and um yeah, and you're just running running marbles down it essentially it's kind of like creating a contiguous path from top to bottom without um you know with with somewhat predefined shaped pieces. Um, and, uh, yeah, just trying to find a way to fit everything together. It's kind of like a 3d puzzle game in a way. So, um, I don't know if it's too open-ended. I don't know if it's too close-ended. We'll, uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, let's go ahead and start the clock.
1: One of the things I, I I really like about this because I had brought a marble game months and months and months ago mm-hmm. at this point. But one of the things I like about thinking about what you're proposing here is, is this idea of, and I don't know if it's fully part of it, but the idea of having to work around these tight environments. And are you imagining that there's like a set start and end point And you know, I have the pieces yeah. I have. Yeah. I
0: think in a way, like it's almost kind of like the hacking puzzles and Spider-Man. Yeah. It's a very kind of standard set of like, there are pieces that you have, there's a start point and an end point, And you just kind of have to construct this 3d structure to connect those two points, um, while making sure that your marble kind of avoids obstacles and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I'm not fully in love with the idea yet because the kind of dense environments are like, they don't, I don't know, know, I don't know if they're really impacting gameplay for me yet, unless you have to kind of like you know, move your marble through tree branches and around trunks of trees and over animal nests and stuff like that, like interesting interactions. But um, we could do something more freeform, kind of like stringing out movable and um and shapeable tracks yourself. But I'm not sure. I, I would just like marbles to roll around in places where they're not supposed to be and want to figure out how to get there.
1: Yeah, I think that's cool. And I I think the the economy of track pieces is really important to this thing. So in my mind, Mm -hmm. maybe we, if it's almost like a Tony Hawk course builder or something, or a track mania course builder, the idea of you don't have enough pieces to just construct a smooth start to finish. So you're going to have to find pieces of the environment to uh, kind of glide the marbles along or bounce them off of or oh
0: interesting yeah yeah so you have to like off-road
1: right right they'll they'll be off-road segments and and so how do you by the
0: end of the game it kind of turns into like a bigger rube goldberg type setup where you are using kind of complex objects that are all kind of set up to perform special actions that would allow you to kind of skip large portions of the uh the intended pathway as it were
1: yeah, and if you can freeform almost in like the way you see um the almost like flying mode in Minecraft, I would call it almost mm-hmm. a debug mode uh for game developers, but the idea of being able to pull out and actually really look at the environment and say, "Wow, I guess there's a there's a rattlesnake plant over there. I I suppose I could get a marble over there," but if you even bring in some of the mechanics that you see um, in some really creative marble courses where like, here's a little, um, marble lift, right. That is like putting mm-hmm. them on a track and, and, and carrying them up. Maybe there's some courses where you're like, okay, the the biggest thing I need to do is just get them to the top of the tree and they will, um, you know, build up this momentum. Otherwise I'm saying tree, cause I've got forest in my mind, but I love the idea of doing, a uh, Rocky beach and, uh, You know, maybe even like inside a spider's nest or something like that. One of the
0: things I like also is perhaps there are checkpoints along the way. Um, Just something to kind of visually segment the tracks and to at least kind of give you some sort of a structure for where you're supposed to be building so that, you know, when you inevitably get to the bottom of the course and find that you are, you know, three or four pieces short of what you need to complete it then you can look back at each of those kind of segments of the course and start rethinking like where can i where can i better optimize here you know what can i do to get back a piece or two along the way so that i can build something more complete at the end and um i would think if it's kind of a just one long run that part of the puzzle starts to feel a bit intimidating because it's like now anything could be wrong and if i you know, if I'm wrong very early in the course, then like, I can't just take that block out because everything else is dependent upon it. But if there are kind of like checkpoints along the way, kind of like a lonely mountains downhill, um, how there are checkpoints down the mountain. Um, if there are checkpoints along the way, then like really, you know, the, um, it's up to you to you, to just go back to each segment and kind of like optimize as you go and see, you know, it feels more manageable in that way.
1: I think you're right. Like if you can the you know, the easiest run is basically make a couple of smart turning decisions with your pieces and you can make it to the end. But then the yeah, it's like the the Mario Maker crazy version of the course is No, if if you can, you know, maneuver around this thing. I even like the idea of um putting right before the sort of um goal or the exit the idea of putting uh, a little flap just kind of like hanging on a hinge and the flaps have different resistances. So you actually have to not only hit the end, but you have to get the marbles to the end with a certain amount of momentum potentially. Mm. So Mm. you can't just like straight line them there, but like, okay, by the time, you know, you get to the end, they need to be going at a certain speed in order to push past the flap and actually reach the goal.
0: And of course, you'd also have to balance just keeping that kind of downwards momentum at all times as well. You know, if you have a piece that kind of juts upwards, then you would need to put that at kind of the bottom of a large drop so that the marble has the momentum to, to carry over. Uh, just like, you know, building a roller coaster and Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah,
1: I like the idea too of maybe a, I don't know if this is now too much, but I like the idea of like more than one run. So, like, if you have a marble, like, let's say you have an off-road segment and you, you know, you can get unlucky with a little break and something gets stuck. Not only the idea of a future marble being able to unstick a previous marble, but, um, you know, you also being scored in your course's consistency of, like, can you get all three of your marble runs across the line in the same thing? Like, does your course deliver it reliably not just uh you know you get lucky
0: I'm liking this. this is really coming together a lot more than <laughs> my original idea um this is uh this is cool, so we have um we have interesting kind of marble i mean hmm, this could also be like you were saying, we can have multiple runs, perhaps there are like different colors of marbles we have to set up different color tracks for them to ride down um simultaneously and but the tracks can't over, And so that's just another kind of obstacle that we are building around. And, you know, if, if our blue track is in one of the essential places that the purple track has to pass through, then we have to find a way to circumvent that original location with the blue track so that, you know, both can kind of can exist in harmony with one another.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, and I think too, that like, maybe there is that you know, you give some reality-breaking augments that, uh, like your track manias, where pieces of track will will speed up your marble or have less resistance. Or I'm always convinced when I watch those uh, marble run videos on YouTube that, uh, like different colors of marbles seem to move at a different speed. I don't know if that's just. <laughs> Uh, like man, orange ones seem faster. Maybe that's that's just the human eye being attracted to a certain I think color. Individual context.
0: marbles could move faster or slower than other marbles, but I don't think it would have anything to do with the color necessarily.
1: Maybe it's more Super Monkey Ball like, and you have like marble classes of like, okay, in this course you mm-hmm. have a a class D marble. It's gonna lose momentum quicker, but when it Especially picks up Especially if
0: you have momentum, like heavy marbles or light yeah. marbles, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so. There are also, like, I would say, like, uh, course modifiers in a way. Um, Perhaps, I don't know whether it's things that you would intentionally yourself do to the course, like spilling oil on it to make that part of the course extra slick, or if it's a matter of, like, where you put your, you know, if you're in a rainy forest, then any portions of the course that are exposed to the sky and to the rain would become wet, and portions Mm. that are covered by the trees would stay dry and maybe you you would be using each of those conditions in different and interesting ways as well.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Especially if you have like uh now in my spider's nest example, you have to like get through some cobwebs and that will temporarily, as they're caught on you, decrease your speed. And so you actually have to re-achieve a certain speed in order to fully shake the cobwebs, uh, or else you're gonna inch across the finish line.
0: Uh yeah, anyways, we are uh way over time on that one actually. Let's let's go ahead and give it a name.
1: Who was that old I, gosh, Labyrinth? That that was that old like maze marble game where you have to get a marble in a hole, right? There was um Marble Madness was
0: an old kind of arcade marble game.
1: Yeah, yeah, that too. So so I'm 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 wondering if there's like some homage to that. This is almost like Marble Madness Super Circuit or something. <laughs>
0: uh let's see. Marble marble Ultimate Alliance. I think I made that joke when we pitched our last Marvel game. (laughs) Um,
1: Well, if, if you get the right developer, this could be Marvel versus Capcom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ball. Let's see. Ball. Ball run. It's a little dicey, but balls in nature. Ooh.
1: What could you do something like rolling thunder or something? (laughs)
0: rolling thunder
1: that could work That could work um i'm also down for all of the marvel puns whether that's uh marvel marble com tracks you
0: could also do like balls out or balls to the wall you know one of those (laughs) types of rude puns but in this case it's very innocent yeah i don't know What, what do you think be the voice of reason here
1: what was one of your, what was one of, <laughs> this is a very strange question. What was one of your ball jokes previously? I do like balls out and balls to the
0: wall. Uh, what if balls we, in what, nature.
1: What if, I want to, what if we do mar balls to the wall?
0: Mar balls to the wall. I mean, I guess it, I guess it fits. <laughs> it works.
1: He's, you're not happy with it but I... I i
0: think there's a certain like we are piling puns on top of puns yeah but i feel like at a certain point it kind of like it crosses the line twice and becomes funny again <laughs> um anyways i think that will uh, that will do it for for that one let's head over to the community and see what y'all have for us today this one comes in from the ever reliable ashton herman who says hey guys it's me again i'm still in elder scrolls I'm still on an Elder Scrolls kick, but my pitch today is something that looks pretty different, I think. One of Oblivion's best quests... Well, not not hidden the different train so far, but we'll see (laughs) where this one goes. One of Oblivion's best quests was a whodunit for the Dark Brotherhood. The quest effectively had you playing the murder murder in an elaborate murder mystery, picking off your victims one by one in a house of increasingly fewer occupants until the final, final survivor realizes it was you all along, and it was delightful. So my pitch is to take that concept and spread it out over the course of an entire game. It's a murder mystery in the same vein as Clue or Knives Out, for a more modern reference point, only you are not the investigator, you're the killer. I can also see this playing as a multiplayer game, but then I think it might just end up being Among Us. Yeah, fair enough. Um... Let's, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and start the clock there. Did you watch
1: Knives Out yet? Because I feel like you'd love I that did. movie. I did. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I didn't make the connection that really it is just, uh, you know, 2019's Clue. I mean, everyone is playing such, like, exaggerated
0: parts, and they're all kind of defined by their clothing. Like, it's very it's very Clue in its construction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and hey, uh, I think a, a portion of it shot in Lowell, Massachusetts. Okay, so shout out to lol Um, yeah, I love they picked the... up those believable American accents <laughs> yeah,
0: it's <So> authentic
1: <laughs> the The idea of the murder mystery, I think, is very fun, and I do think that, like it, this is a small thing, but I feel that the nature of it being clue like or being a murder mystery actually would make it stylistically a lot more enjoyable, almost like I could see arcane, um, making a really cool version of this.
0: I think there's a couple of things. This makes me think of offhand. There's a game. I think there's, I think there's two games in the main series and a constructor game in the series called party hard. I think it is. And, um, uh, it's an indie game where you are at like a house party or a rave or something like that. It's very colorful, uh, loud music, lots of dancing, very kind of hot Miami esque. Um, but it's like a overhead perspective, very very zoomed out. Everyone is very small on the map. You control one character at this house party, and essentially you have to. I, I guess the goal is to kill everybody at the party and uh, without being noticed. So you know, hiding bodies and doing whatever you can to kind of blend in. I've always like I've always had a really strong negative reaction to seeing that game just because, like, I I think the kind of mundane setting feels a little bit too, like, too real in a way. Like, I don't know, I play Hitman, and you are actually going to realistically (laughs) rendered cities and stuff to kill people, and so I don't know what my aversion to it is. I think just, uh, I think it's the difference between, like, a targeted killer and, like, a serial killer, you know, somebody who just, who kills for a purpose and somebody who kills because he is getting some sort of a, you know, power thrill out of it. But then I played Doom. I don't know. I can't, I can't make up my mind, but there's something about, you know, innocent party goers that are, that are not deserving of that. And <laughs> I find it very mean spirited without having played the game, uh, admittedly, I find it very mean spirited to be thrust into that role, but it's an interesting idea anyways. And I think that, uh, you know, that type of mode is interesting. If you choose to play that way in one of the recent Hitman games, there are some people who do like genocide runs or, you know, they'll, they'll do challenges. Uh, there are videos of this on YouTube where they'll, they'll try to kill every NPC in an entire map, which is great challenge, but it's, um, I don't know. You really have to get creative because oftentimes there, uh, there are not enough deadly weapons in a course to effectively, you know, manage just how many people are packed into those environments. But, um, anyways, uh, On the subject of Hitman, uh, in Hitman 3, still upcoming as of the time of recording, there's going to be a level that is kind of, you know, uh, roughly based on the concept of Knives Out in a way like you are being called in as the detective to solve a mystery in like an old Victorian manner amongst a family of, uh, you know, degenerates who don't get along and uh, you... (laughs) are being called in to investigate. They don't know that you're actually an assassin. And you're going to use that opportunity to get a kill in yourself. But um, so this exact thing might play out in January of next year. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know yet. <laughs>
1: kind of what you're saying. I, I've got a twist here that might make it feel both in the genre of a Hitman game, but also like a unique take on it. The Hitman games, You. I mean, you certainly play... You're you're more mm-hmm. of an expert on them than I, but the the idea is you play the level a bunch of times potentially, right, and see what mm-hmm. kind of chaos can ensue that way. So I'm wondering, what if in the Knives Out format, in the same way that Clue and in these these mystery murder mystery movies love to cast um, basically everyone in the house being potentially the murderer? Mm-hmm. What if the game is literally level by level is you play a different person in the house and you have to murder? the person you have to play
0: out kind of maybe there's one series of events that takes place and there are certain events that are observed evidenced events that have to take place but it's kind of like a Rashomon type thing where everything that isn't a part of the official police report is interpretive and so you play through the same night essentially with every character and you are free to explore and do their pieces of it, eventually landing the kill as each of the people in this house. But you have to kind of like check in in the places where you are known to be at the times that you're known to be
1: there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's cool too. But I, I, I love the idea of like, you know, Agent 47 has... Well, to use a term, a particular set of skills. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) I like the idea of if you have a Knives Out type of cast where there's a young kid in there and there's an old woman in there and there's, uh, you know, somebody who is, uh, you know, got all these people with different quirks and different attributes. And can you pull off a masterful murder as each of them in the house and using their different strengths. If one of them knows music, potentially you can distract people with your, you know, piano or guitar playing as you uh, have poisoned someone in another room where, um, you know, somebody else who's got the the gift to gab might be able to argue their way out of an accusation or something like that. But Mm. as, as you do, each uh as you play through each person in each run like you are building up to like trying to uh successfully murder and come out innocent as the more increasingly difficult person and like the game ends with someone with very limited skills and who everybody had already believed to be guilty uh <laughs> anyway so um it was kind of fun
0: I mean kind of like uh like the thing that I was pitching um just recently like you can almost play through the level as each character twice both kind of in their own defense telling the story that like almost establishing their alibi uh going about you know doing various things to try to prove that you're not the murderer or to investigate other players like all of this in flashback or like and you have to play the accuser's version of the story of them actually committing the crime And so, you know, taking this familiar format of the Hitman series, this kind of Groundhog Day, like playing the same events multiple times from uh, using different routes through the mansion and different tools and stuff like that. But um, yeah, again, kind of putting that interpretive uh, spin on it.
1: I, I know that Hitman can be funny, but I think for me... Going into the realm of being more explicitly comedic, without even necessarily a straight man, um, in in the role of the murderer, what what ways do you think like we could introduce that sort of different tone? I, I love the idea of like the. The Knives Out house and some of these murder mystery houses feel like the houses themselves are kind of magical in some way. I feel like there's secret doors or there's uh, mm-hmm. you know compartments or there's old statues that maybe articulate in some way. It's like the, the Resident Evil mansion vibe of <laughs> is there a lot of secrets within this house and as can you can you use your knowledge of how they work to your advantage.
0: You know, like tonally, this would probably fit very well with like the sexy brutal and games like that. Um, you know, I think there's uh ways to you know imply comedic feelings and reactions without you know outright telling jokes. Um, but anyways, we are over time on that one. We do have to kind of come to the end of this discussion, this investigation, and um, let's uh let's find a name for it.
1: What do you think of? You done it.
0: <laughs> that's that's good. I, I like it. I think we landed on that one early. Good.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the name struggle can always be the hardest part.
0: All right, Um. right. Let's, uh, yeah, if, if you would like to send in a pitch of your own, you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can tweet us at playwrightcast, or you can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com.
1: Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World! Off the album, Blue Noise. And while you're listening to things in your headphones or over your phone speaker, I hope you're not. I hope you give, have more dignity than just the phone speaker. Even even then, we love you. Uh, go mm-hmm. listen to the wonderful podcasts available at CainandRince.com. Like Kane and Rince, uh, like Sound of Play, like The Sausage Factory. I imagine if it's not uh, already recorded that, that some end of the year stuff might be in the works here. So we're not doing one of our
0: big kind of like end of year review shows, but I'm doing the end of year remix on Sound of Play. So that I think is the only end of year celebration that we're going to be doing this year.
1: Before you know it, you're going to be in one of these situations where like the longest running video game music project of all time, if you're not already there.
0: I guess if you count like the music of the Super Mario Brothers series or something like that, and then... They'll probably have me beat by a pretty large margin. (laughs) Well, it is what it is. Collectively.
1: Oh, I just thought of it. The marble cinematic universe.
0: (laughs) There we go. (laughs) All right. um, Let's close this down with a redacted game. I believe that you're the one that's going to be trying
1: to stump me this week. Yes, yes, yes. So, your redacted game this week. In a cinematic sequel to the critically acclaimed Redacted. Redacted game. (laughs) players will be Wait, on the end <laughs> to the uh, critically acclaimed redacted redacted game
0: is game of verb
1: what, what, what's um, going on in that sentence? i would say uh i will give you this context in in the climactic sequel to the critically acclaimed game title mm-hmm. genre game oh okay i see <laughs> yeah that makes sense. It's, it's quite the it's quite the sentence players will be on the edge of their seats from start to finish brimming with epic, gorgeous cutscenes and battles that are more exhilarating than ever, this game never lets up on the action. Fight on top of a redacted as it redacted through a redacted. Duke it out against a giant redacted who bears a redacted for a redacted on top of a redacted. (laughs) And take to the skies in a fight against a redacted while ascending to the top of a redacted.
0: I guess... I'll. Did it say that this is like the sequel or a sequel at the beginning?
1: Yeah, it says in this climactic sequel.
0: In this climactic sequel. Okay. Um. All right. I'll I'll give a guess straight out the gate. Is this one of the Final Fantasy thirteen games?
1: This is not a Final Fantasy game. Okay.
0: Okay. So let's go through the, that weirdly specific run of details in there again. So yeah, <laughs> we're, we're fighting on top of something while ascending something like what's going on?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, I'll, I'll try and take it slow. So fight on top of a redacted as it redacted through a redacted. So that's okay. our first statement. Duke mm-hmm. it out against a giant redacted who bears a redacted for a redacted on top of a redacted. It sounds like a lot of redaction, but there's like way more words that are not redacted and all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and take to the skies in a fight against a redacted while ascending to the top of a redacted.
0: Okay. Uh, it's probably a bad idea to burn through another guest so early already, but uh, is this Bayonetta 2?
1: Merry Christmas, This <laughs> Bayonetta 2! <too. laughs> Good job! Oh.
0: Wow. So the first one would be fighting on top of a jet that's like soaring through the city, right? Yeah, Yeah,
1: through a downtown city. That's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there we go.
1: (laughs) Duke it out against a giant angel who bears a whip for an arm on top of a speeding train. What a mad game this is. (laughs) And take to the skies in a fight against a demonic monster while ascending to the top of a skyscraper. You got it. I think all that
0: takes place in the opening level too.
1: <laughs> I just get that out of the way right away. That is, uh I I loved some of these details. It is the number four best Switch game of 2018.
0: That's actually kind of surprising. <laughs> oh, sorry, Switch title of 2018. So the re-release then, not yes, like its original. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: it is a 92 on uh, Metacritic. Bayonetta 2. That's the Switch version anyway. It is uh hmm. it's a 91 for some reason on Wii U. I guess that's the <laughs> the Wii U discount.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably runs a little bit better on Switch, I'd imagine. I do like that
1: it's it starts with the climactic sequel, even though we know that there's another one on the way. So
0: yeah, well, it's uh, they wanted to get that climax pun in there as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, very important. Well, this was so nice. I mean,
0: seasonally appropriate. Uh, Bayonetta two during the first that opening level where all of those described events are taking place uh, Bayonetta and her Danny DeVito friend are out Christmas shopping.
1: Oh, so, I didn't realize
0: <laughs> Yeah. They're in the city to do some Christmas shopping.
1: Oh my God. That, that is very strange fictional rapper for that for that event. I wish I had planned that, but I didn't. So thank you for, uh, <laughs> for connecting it. I always find the, the Christmas and everything. Did you ask for anything specific this year for Christmas age? I'm, I'm
0: interested in, um, you know, obviously I'm, interested in like music work and production, that kind of thing. I'm working with very manual tools though. Like I, and so I, you know, kind of asked for some more, you know, music software that kind of does a little bit more of the heavy lifting, you know, hoping to see if that would kind of make things a little bit easier or, uh, could unlock the potential to do more interesting things uh, with music. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, um, I always have a hard time asking for things, you know, I just, uh, I feel like most of the things that I want, like I'm able to just kind of purchase. And so, uh, by the time Christmas rolls around, I'm pretty well taken
1: care of. (laughs) I'm, I'm very, you know, fortunate to be in that position as well. And I think it makes buying for me a a nightmare, but, uh, I think, you know, at the same time
0: though, I feel like we both are fans of like weird little novelties and stuff like that. Like, I feel like, it would be difficult to get me like the things that i'm going to like utilize every day but at the same time like people can buy me like a you know an amiibo. and i would just be like i'd yeah. be very happy with that because like hey <laughs> it's reused from street fighter cool
1: <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah i think i'm the same way but uh i mean even even then i think you know it's it's either like that small sort of silly trinket stuff or now it's like in the world of like yeah i guess i I could get a six hundred dollar synthesizer. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is, like, I also don't want to
0: ask for anything that's like, and it's four hundred dollars. Sorry. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, for all the little boys and girls uh, with PlayStation fives and Series X's and S's on their Christmas list this year, I hope uh, I hope Santa was lucky. But please it understand well if he wasn't.
0: Indeed. Anyways, that'll do it for us today. Uh, we'll catch you again. Um, either next week or whenever we get around to recording again, it'll be, uh, again, things might get a little messy during the holiday season, but we'll try to keep it consistent. Um, But anyways, until we catch you next time, thanks for listening. Happy
1: holidays.